What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode six of the After Effect Podcast. I'm your host, LeBron Stephan. Uh, we have a very special guest today. I'm Chicago Bears center, offensive center, James Daniels. A Warren, Ohio native, University of Iowa alumni uh, like me. Just sent the link, so just waiting for him to jump in. We'll get episode six started. Link, he said bet. So, um, this should be a very, very dope episode. James has been in the news regarding our mater, um, tweeted something, made a statement, and it kind of was a ripple effect. And a lot of other alumni told stories over 50 black athletes, former and current black athletes, told stories, and due to that. One of their staff members was separated from the program, and there are still allegations coming out as we speak. So, this should be a powerful episode. Whenever he jumps in. Yes. Yeah. What's going on, bro? Can you hear me? Make me get audio. What's going? What's going on, bro? Can you hear me? Can you hear me, bro? Yeah, 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 yeah. I can. Oh no, yeah. how you doing? Good. How you doing? Man, I'm chilling, bro. I appreciate you tapping in with me. No, nah, no problem. No problem. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a uh, um, this is like my NFL guys week, so I got all NFL guys lined up for this week. Um, so uh, I started a podcast a couple weeks ago called the After Effect Podcast, and it's mainly to give athletes uh, like me, myself, a voice, um, guys that are out out of the game. Uh, yeah, and you know, had to figure out that transition afterwards. But I wanted to get some current NFL guys on as well to create a perspective because you guys are still making a transition too. You're going from college to the league, and that's obviously a way different lifestyle than what we experienced in college. Yeah. So that was the whole reason why I wanted you on, just to create that kind of perspective. And you're like a you're like a super young guy. And I think I was telling all the other guys, I think you're the first African American football player to do three and out at the University of Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like I only I, I knew I know Brian Balaga did my 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 he came in with me in 2007, uh, but you know he was he was a white guy so he did three and out and got went in the first round so uh, I thought that was pretty powerful. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, so we can jump right into it, bro. So you know we both Ohio guys. I'm from Cleveland. Uh, we played Warren Harding my senior and junior year. I know it's like a strong football culture out there. I remember like the Mario Manningham's and the, the Boom Herrings and guys like that. So just talk about like the culture um, growing up in Warren, Ohio. Wait, uh, what uh, what year did you graduate? I came out 2007. So my senior year, we played Warren Harding. We, I'm sorry, but we we blew you guys out like 50 to nothing. But 
<laughs> you guys had a squad though. Boom Heron was the running back. Sidney Glover was the safety. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, okay. Yeah, Damn. He went to West Virginia. Boom went to Ohio State. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So we always, you know, I went to Glenville, so we always battled uh, for those few years in like 05, 06, 07. I know you were a lot younger, so I'm not sure if you ever played. Did you ever play any Cleveland High Schools? Uh, We played Cleveland Heights, Maple Heights. Uh, we scrimmaged like Solon St. Ed's, but I think, I mean, that's about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we really played. I mean, I mean we played Shaw, but I mean, Shaw, Shaw was, I mean, that's they, easy. They were sorry. Yeah, 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 but that's, 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 easy, that's easy, though. Right. But no, the, uh, the culture, the culture of football and like back at uh, Harding was like, I mean, Harding had like such like a, like a big, like, like it was like a football town. And like I moved, I moved to Warren. I moved to Ohio in eighth grade, and okay. just seeing, just like seeing, like how much like the city like cared about football. Okay. And I moved, I moved at the end, at like at the end of the recession. So of course, like the uh, like the city was like she was struggling like financially and things like that. Yeah. But just seeing like how packed and like how much like the like the residents of the city cared about Warren and Warren football. I mean, that was that was that was pretty big. Where 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 did uh, where did you guys move from? Uh, DeKalb, Illinois. Okay, okay, okay. So I, yeah, I know the culture in Illinois and Ohio is different, but Ohio is like a big football state. Like, yeah, it's completely right. It's completely different. Like, um, it's like um, damn, what am I gonna say? It's like in like Illinois, like high school football. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, of course, like, in Illinois, there's, like, a lot of, like, these big, like, high, like high schools because Illinois is, like, a lot of people. Right. And, like, this past offseason, like, the past, like, during the season, like, I go to, like, a couple, like, full high school football games because on Friday nights, I mean, I don't have, I don't have anything to do. But right. it's, like, it's nowhere near, like, the atmosphere or the environment's nowhere near, like, what you see in Ohio. Right, right. I know especially Northeast North Ohio because you got Warren, you got Youngstown, you right. got Akron, Canton, you got then you go up to Cleveland, then you got the Cleveland schools up there. Right, it's like, right. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you know that, like, you know how, like, you know how, like, the Friday nights or the games are on Saturdays. Yeah, Friday night lights in Northeast Ohio, it's, it, you can't really beat it. It's, it's such a football, strong uh, atmosphere. And that's why right. I think it's funny that the best uh, basketball player in the world came from there because, uh, you know, LeBron James, because right, right, right. before him, I mean, basketball, we, we had a lot of good basketball players, but I would say it was more football players than basketball coming out of Northeast Ohio. Right. And actually, funny, uh, one my high school coach, my high school coach, he was uh, he was coaching, I think, he was coaching, I think, Ursuline Youngstown when LeBron was in high school. Okay. And he's, like, and he's watching, and they play, they, so they're playing St. B's like that upcoming week, and he's, like, watching the film, and he's, like, he's, like, who is this? I forgot how he pronounced LeBron's name, but he did say he did say like LeBron. But I forgot I forgot how he said his name, and he was like he was like, "Who is this kid?" But this kid, I think that was his freshman year or sophomore year. Uh-huh. I can't remember, but I mean, he was he was a monster. And then he found out like two years later, yeah, I mean, probably was, a year later, like he was like the that, best that was him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember because you know Brian only like four years older than me. I came out oh seven, he came out oh three. So I remember my dad telling me. That it was a guy named LeBron. We had the same name, right? Uh, but and he he and my dad's like a funny guy, so he's like he said, man, this dude is slew footed because you know he walked with his feet out like this. Yeah. I like, mean, I've never seen it. I never seen a basketball player that good that was slew footed. Like <laughs> he gonna he gonna be the best of the country. 
So I, ever since then, I think I was like in fifth grade. I, been, I was a fan just because we had the same name, and it, and it was just random. And like I couldn't, I couldn't imagine like for like LeBron, who being being from Akron, then getting drafted by the Cavs, and right, right. I'm doing what he did for the Cavs. Like at, I mean, because he come in the league, I think at 18, 19, whatever. But bro, that's that's crazy. Like, right. I can't yeah. imagine like the pressure he's had. Exactly, major pressure, and what's crazier is that he lived up to it. Right. Yeah, that's true. Right. So my next question is: I know, so you must have a, a late birthday because I know you went to the University of Iowa. Your transition—you were seventeen, or you were seventeen? Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, just talk about your transition from going from Warren Harden to the, U- the University of Iowa, and especially because you didn't register. You. You played right. in the freshman year. But for me, I came in like – I was like a tweener, like a defensive end, outside linebacker, but I only weighed like 218. So I knew that I was going to register. I was super fast, but I couldn't – you know how Iowa is. Like they want exactly. you to lift all these weights and get all big. So I knew I had to register. So I'm sure our transition was a little different because I registered. But just talk about that transition going from Warren to Iowa City and actually playing on the field. Did you play on the field at, at 17 or did you turn 18 before the first game? Uh yeah, uh, two we played two games before I turned eighteen. Yep, man, that's <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, so yeah, just talk about your your transition from high school to college and playing like as soon as you got there, like ASAP. Okay, so uh, so I graduated high school early, so I came. So my birthday September thirteenth, and okay. I got I think I got to Iowa City like January. I don't know. Oh, uh, you came. Okay, like so you started taking classes early. Yeah, it's like okay. the weekend, like the weekend before, like Martin Luther King, uh, Martin Luther King, like weekend, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Day. So we had like that Monday off or something. Okay. Anyway, so and my you were older in that brother, rain practice and all that. Yeah, so my okay. older brother, he was a running back at Iowa. Yeah, Lashawn Day. I remember. And when I mean when I was that, I mean when I was at Iowa, like he helped me and I mean things like that. But I mean, my first semester, my first semester, my first summer there, I mean my brother really didn't. I mean, he really didn't help me at all. He was like, yeah. hey, he was like, you got to learn. Like, of course, like, if I came to him and asked for, like, help, like, right. he would help me. But everything else, he was like, nah, you got to learn that on your own. Because, right. I mean, I respect that. Like, he wasn't trying to baby because, I mean, he went through it by himself. So, he right. was like, why can't I go through it by myself? Okay. I mean, workouts, I mean, it was just like in – I mean, I was a great athlete, like, in high school. Like, I was fast, strong, all that stuff. Yeah, but like at Iowa, like some of like the movements and stuff that we had to do, like I just I wasn't used to like right. hand clean, like right. I never, all, all the Olympic lifting. <laughs> exactly, like right. I never hand clean before. Yeah. I didn't know how to do a proper squat. Like I didn't know how. Only thing I could really do is bench. Like I knew how to get under the bar and just do that. Right. But right, everything right. else, I didn't know how to do like any of these lifts. Right. So, I mean, so like being like from like a strength and conditioning standpoint, like it was it was tough at first. But then, I mean, of course, like, you know, the, you start off really slow. But then when spring practice hit. So like the first so like the first spring practice, I think we were in like we were in a shell. So we didn't wear a shoulder pads. Okay. And so like I get like two or three reps at like in, in the practice because I was on third team and like third team only got like four or five reps in time. Right. Practice. At the end, yeah. Then, like, the second practice, like, I actually – I think we actually get, like, a decent amount of reps, so probably, like, 14 or something like that around there. Uh-huh. And I'm out there, and I can't block – I can't, like, the worst defensive tackles on the team, like, walk on defensive tackles. Like, I can't block these guys. 
<laughs> and then I remember, like, after the practice, like, I had terrible practice. Out center, yeah. I had, like, eight high snaps. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was just from top to bottom, it was just terrible. Yeah. And then, so, I'm, I'm, so I go home to my dorm in Hillcrest. I go home to Hillcrest. Uh-huh. And I, I start crying because I'm like, wow. dude, like, I really don't know, like, if I'm good enough. And then I All see right. players, I see fourth-year, fifth-year players who, who are on the second team or are on the third team. Like, dude, if they spent four years here and they can't, and they're on the third team, like, and they can't crack the start lineup. Yeah, like, how do I, how do I expect to play? But then, like, throughout the spring, but throughout the spring, like, I got, you got better like, and better. Yeah, I got better and better. And then at the end of the spring, Brian Ferentz, he's an O line coach. He told me, like, if you keep it up, you have a chance to play. You have the chance to play as a true freshman in the fall, which I, which I wanted to. Like, I wasn't, I didn't come to, I didn't come to Iowa early to, uh, to not play. <laughs> exactly the play not play as a true freshman right. so i go through i go through summer workouts and summer workouts were hard summer workouts are really hard because yeah those are the hardest ones yes because <laughs> i was doing the workouts that the older players were so i had like the buffer period in the winter but exactly. then summer hit i was doing what the old like what the yeah old, yeah you were you were on the advanced car they put you on the advanced car exactly exactly yeah i remember that they put me on that early too and then so all the other freshmen who came in they're doing the stuff I did. The beginner stuff, the stuff that you did yeah. when you first got there in the spring. Right. They have like half the conditioning reps. Like they, so they have it easy. But I'm okay, right. out there. I'm out there grinding. Right, right. In the summer, then summer. I think that summer it was like a Friday workout. We had so we did like the stations. We did like the stations with like weighted vest. Mm-hmm. I Gotta think keep them on ran, the whole time. I never forget. We ran like ten after we took off the vest and we ran ten sixty straight. In that first, that was the hardest conditioning workout I ran. Compared game simulator, cut eight fives, blah blah blah. Right. The ten sixties after the station, and we didn't we didn't have a breath. We didn't have a break either. Like now, like my past two years at Iowa, uh-huh. like we would we would run like five and five or four and four or right. just run six straight. Like we never. That was the last time we did ten straight, and that shit was right. hard. Like right. I was, but I get through the summer. Then camp. I mean, camp is. I mean, camp is camp. I mean, it wasn't – I mean, it wasn't – I would say camp was easier than spring ball because, I mean, I actually knew, like, how practice went, like, things that were going on. I mean, staying in Marriott – I mean, staying in Marriott wasn't the worst thing because every time you would come home, every time you would come back to the Marriott, your bed was made. Exactly. They have food at the Marriott. They that, gave that, Marriott. that was the best experience uh, in training camp. Is the, exactly, the yeah. <laughs> and, like – like you, I mean, you leave the like the snacks you get when you leave the facility. Like they give you like Pancheros, like Pizza Hut. Right, like, right, right. Love I was, <laughs> Camp, camp, well, camp wasn't bad. And then right. my older, uh, my roommate was a fifth year senior, Austin Blythe. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Austin. Yeah, and Blythe, he always had like at night, like in the hotel room, he always had like a bunch of, like the old line over, and they would like play like cards and stuff. Yeah. So like I got so during during camp I got a time to be closer with the offensive line. Then right, right, right. uh camp camp ends. They tell me that I'm gonna be playing, like I'm gonna be playing as a true freshman. Mm-hmm. And season uh season and was, was that was that the Rose Bowl year? Your true freshman? Yeah, year? that was the Rose Bowl year, yeah. Oh wow, wow. So I started I started two games that year. I started the Northwestern game and then I started the uh the Rose Bowl. Then I played I played in every other game except that. I mean, I played in every game, but I had those two starts. So that was a probably that was probably a hell of a, a whirlwind for your freshman year. You came in early. Oh yeah, you, you got in early, but then you had to you struggled at first, but then you had to 
you got and then you got used to all the workouts and the practices. Then here comes the summer workouts, like that's super hard. Then you just got better and better, and then you end up being the, the, your record. Our, our record was like fourteen and one, thirteen and one that year. Twelve and two. We 12 lost. And two. We lost the uh, Big Ten championship, and we lost. And, and then to Stanford. Yeah. But not playing as a true freshman. That was like that was the funnest. Like football, like 2015, like that was the most like I've enjoyed playing football like in my entire life. Because like, <laughs> like the team was vibing. Like I was a freshman, just I like, because like I mean the winter semester is way different than the fall semester, just from like standpoint. Because in in the in the fall, like people, I mean you go out more because the weather. I mean the weather's better and uh-huh. stuff. And then it's just like I mean I was with new freshmen. I was I was still in the dorms. So I was with new freshmen. Uh-huh. So I mean, it was. I mean, I was, I was vibing like that. Yeah, that was. I was. I was. Those were some fun times. Man, I, especially because what we were doing, we were wearing. I was never been. I'm not sure. I know there's. I think 20 2009. I can't remember when you guys were really good. Yeah, 2000, yeah 2009. We were. Uh, we were. Our highest ranking was number four. 2009. We went. We went 11 and two that year. And what was your best record? Like we were like. Cause it was like six and zero. Cause it was like Iowa hasn't been six and zero since then. Then it was like yeah, yeah, we yeah we were we were we got up to eight and zero. We got up to eight and zero. I remember this like it was yesterday. Like it was eight and zero. We were playing Northwestern for our ninth game. I mean, and we were about to blow them out. We was up fourteen nothing, and then the DN from Northwestern come around the edge, sack Richie Sanzi, and breaks his ankle. Breaks his ankle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. And he's that. out, and then James Vandenberg comes in. Northwestern comes back and, and beat and beats us. Uh, that we so we end up losing to them, and then we lost to Ohio State the next week in the Big Ten championship, like in overtime by field goal. Yeah, actually, it's funny because I was so both my parents went to Ohio State, oh, so wow. I remember I remember watching that Ohio State Iowa game. Yeah, I mean, because my me my dad played football Ohio State, so he okay. always went on the Ohio State football game. Is your dad, remember, was your dad like, O lineman too? Yeah, he was O lineman. Okay, I just remember like seeing like Iowa playing Ohio State, like I never. Even though, like, I was in Illinois at the time, yeah. I never really knew much about Iowa football, even though it was literally – because I think DeKalb to Iowa City, I mean, that's like two hours, maybe two hours or something like that. Yeah, something like hours. that, like two to three hours. So, but no, that first – dude, that first year just winning and being as a true freshman, because there's only like three, four true freshmen that played. That actually played. Got out. Like, it was – it was it was it was a crazy experience. I can man, I can only imagine. That's why I'm glad you gave me those details because that's like that's I'm sure that was like <laughs> mind blowing. Yeah, I just, like still thinking about like one of my favorite one of my favorite moments in Iowa City. So we played Purdue to clinch the Big Ten West. I think that's that's the that's week eleven. So the so that we we beat them then we go eleven zero. And I just remember, so we got these, like, hats and shirts, like, Big Ten West champions. Uh-huh. I remember, uh, like, every football player on the team went out that night, and they were in Summit, and every single football player, they all had, like, they were wearing whatever outfit they were wearing. Then they had their Big Ten champions, like, Big Ten West champions. Now, I can out. only imagine. Some, I mean, and, you know, Summit <laughs> is always crazy, but I can only imagine. <laughs> I just do it. It's just it's crazy because cause nobody knew, like, nobody – I mean, I can't. I mean, no one told me to wear my hat, but I was like, I I just put on my hat. The more I get there, everyone else is wearing the hat. Like that was that was that was, that was a good time. Yeah, yeah, I already know. So, man, talk about like your transition from 
college of the league. Like I, I talk to a lot of guys and, you know, we play football our whole lives to, you know, get a chance in the NFL. So talk about, you know, going to the second round, like, like talk about draft day and like, it, like you actually manifesting, like making it to the NFL. Like, what did that feel like? Like, cause I, I talked about, you know, I got a lot of friends who I played right. with either at Iowa or uh, in high school. And, you know, I, I I didn't get drafted. So I always ask guys, like, just what did that feel like? You played football for 15 to 20 years. So just talk about, like, draft day and then talk about the transition uh, with the Bears. Because I know – I think for Iowa, I know you started center sometimes. You started guard sometimes. Did you start tackle sometimes too at Iowa? Uh, no, I played, I played tackle. I never started Okay, you played tackle, you started guard, you started center. When everyone got hurt, and I yeah. had no other option to put anyone else except me at tackle. Yeah. So talk, and I saw um, for the Bears over the past two years, you got a couple, you got a couple stars at guard and a couple stars at center. So just talk about draft day, then talk about the transition from Iowa to the pros because what I always hear is that the pros are like, like a hundred times um, easier than Iowa. <laughs> so just talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, first, like, my reason to leave, so I met with Coach Ferentz, like, after we played, we played Nebraska, Nebraska's last game of the year. Uh-huh. I met with him, then he had, he, like, asked, like, the scouts that he knew personally, like, to watch my film and, like, where I would get drafted to. Uh-huh. And anyone in all the scouts, the earliest scouts said mid-first, and, the, like, the latest scouts said, like, third round. But every single scout had – it was either, like, second – like, I was going to go in the second round. Mm-hmm. So, I was, like well, – right when I saw that, I'm, like, okay, I'm, I'm leaving. After the bowl game, I'm, like, I'm, this, I'm, I'm done. I'm out, so, I'm then, <laughs> so, it's actually it – it was actually crazy, like, seeing, like – seeing, like, my draft feedback. Because I knew – like, I knew I was – I knew I was good. And I actually – at the end of the season, like, I did want to see, like, where my grade would be. Yeah. But they have, like, every – like – there's like eight scouts that have like every scout, like two or three of them said I could go as early as like mid first. Then I think like one said like the latest hour goes like third round. Like to see uh-huh. that, I'm like, dude, like, and then you go on, there's this website called Spot Rack. And Spot Rack has like the contracts of like every football player, like every football player, every NBA player. Oh, and wow. you go and you go on Spot Rack and you can look at like the, the NFL draft. No, okay. for the NFL draft, like when you get drafted, oh, what your okay. contract will be. Okay. So like I'm a, so I'm a like I'm a, it's my junior year in college, so I'm just so I go on Spot Rack and I go through like the NFL draft and then I see like pick sixteen. I don't pick sixteen. I think it's like a thirteen million, twelve million dollar contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then like pick like I don't know pick like sixty. It's like a. Uh, I think pick 60 is like a $5 million contract, yeah. but you still get like a $1.5 million sign bonus. Not a bonus, yeah. And so I'm looking at this. It's my junior year. I'm like, I'm like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> like dude, this is really about to happen. <laughs> if I don't, dude, like, if I don't like get hurt, get arrested, like I'm going to make an insane amount of money in a couple months. So I'm like, first <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so I can't, dude. I literally, I literally, dude. When I saw Spot Rack, I'm like, I'm like. If Did we you talk feel about any like, pressure? Did you feel any pressure? Like, I gotta make sure I don't get too drunk, I don't get arrested, I don't do nothing wrong. I felt honestly, I felt, I felt pressure about getting hurt. Because okay, like, okay. So like when I would practice, like I wear my knee braces, I wear knee sleeves under my knee braces. I used to get my ankles taped. I would wear ankle 
braces over my ankle tape. I'm like, bro, like if I like if I were to get hurt, like it's actually meant for me to get hurt. Like I'm not doing anything to get hurt. Right, right. And so, so we play a bowl game. We end up winning, which was the first bowl game that I think they won since I think it was twenty since it was since like 2011. I don't know. It was, yeah, wait, it was, that, that, was that versus Boston College and you? Yeah, remember? versus Boston College. Okay, okay, I remember that one. And so then, like people, like the people I was close to on the team, like knew that I was leaving. Uh-huh. And so then, trained for the combine. I stayed in Iowa, and like two or three weeks before the combine, pulled my hamstring doing like a sled sprint. Wow. And so then, and so then I know that. And the tough part is like, like I'm good. Like when I was rehabbing my hamstring, like I'm good. Like doing like my five ten five or three cone with uh-huh. broad. But it was like the forty was tough because the forty yeah, you yeah, open up with the hammy. And so I didn't, I didn't run the combine. And so the combine, first the combine, I was there for five days. I get there Monday and I test on Friday. Uh-huh. After I'm test, I'm done testing. So it's just day one. It's just, it's literally all like medical testing. Uh-huh. And like medical testing, first they x-ray your entire body. Uh-huh. And then they, I mean, you do like, you, you get your heart tested, lungs tested. You're like, you they test everything and that then and then the worst part about the combine is like the physical day phys, yeah. like physical days so you go so it's like super long yeah especially if you have like i had so i got hurt in college i had uh two knee surgeries two meniscus surgeries on each knee so mine was gonna take long regardless yeah. so there's like they gonna seven poke all on your knees and make sure they're good now yeah right so there's like seven rooms and Think of like a uh, like a ballroom, like a hotel, yeah. and so in in this room you have like doctors and like trainers from like all the NFL teams, and you're you're in like the middle, and there's like a table in the middle. So you walk out into the middle, you sit on the table, you're in your compression shorts, no socks, no shirt, nothing. You just sit there, sit down on the table. Then like a trainer or doctor who inspected you earlier, he goes through your entire medical history. And then, then after he's done going through your entire medical history, doctors and trainers from the other other tables get up, and they and they like like and they like test they test things on your own. So they'll be like, okay, stand up, touch your toes, um, lean back, do like a bodyweight squat. They'll grab your knee, they'll jerk it, they'll jerk your shoulder, all right, 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 uh, leg. Just to make this sure everything is good. <laughs> make sure everything's good. And there's seven rooms of this. Seven or six, all right, seven, six, or eight, I can't remember. Hell, it was it was a lot of rooms. I can't remember. And so then you do that in every single every single room you do that. And so that took, I think I took that took like eight. I I think we started at like eight, and I didn't leave till like two. Mm, six hours. Yeah. So it was just six hours of literally it was either waiting or just getting pulled on your leg pulled on by doctors, which wow. was which was terrible. Then at night at night uh. I have like you. You have like the uh, you have like the formal interviews where you walk into the hotel room. It's like the coach, GM, right. maybe the owner, O line coach, and they just ask you questions. But those interviews, like, I killed the interviews because they would just ask me like, "Oh, like what's football the question?" Yeah, like football okay, questions. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can You can put me on the board. You can put me on the board. Like I've always been. I've always known like X and O, especially from right, my dad right. because that's the stuff he used to teach me like when I was growing up. Like right. I always. I always knew like X's and O's, like that's like that's that. Okay, this is the under defense. 
Mike is walked, okay, that means they're blitzing from the backside, or like I always, or like they would right. test me questions. What's that terminology? Yeah, that O line terminology. Right. Like I remember this one time, I'm meeting with the team in the, uh, and the coach is telling me the coach is like telling me their, uh, like, like their calls or how they ID fronts or play. I can't remember. He was telling me something, and he gave me like a notebook and a pencil to like write the stuff down. But I didn't, I didn't write any stuff down. So he's telling me it. I'm just nodding my head like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he's like, oh, he's like, you're not going to write that down? And so I looked down and he took my notebook and then he started quizzing me on what he was asking. And I got every question right. And I just saw his face. He was like, okay. <laughs> I think if he was over, I walked out. <laughs> right, right, right. Because you just naturally, you just nat- naturally absorb that information very well. Exactly. You don't have to write it down. Exactly. Yeah. And so... Uh, after the combine, after the combine, uh, uh, oh yeah, after the combine, like, uh, I trained for pro day. I didn't, I ended up being, I didn't run at pro day again. Yeah, you just did position work, right? Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, run the 40 at the pro day. I mean, as an offensive lineman, like if That's they relevant, pretty much. Yeah. Cause this one scout, he asked me, he was like, you're not going to run the 40. I was like, I don't need to. Then he was like, then he's like, I'm a right. I don't need – he said, I don't need to run my 40 on my paper. And I was like, <laughs> dude, like, if I, if I run 4-5 or 6-0, like, it doesn't – Right, you are you drafted When I get drafted, like, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter what I run. Yeah, it sounded like he was just being an asshole, whatever scout that was. Yeah, it's like the scouts. It's like these scouts, like, they try to have like, – they try to act like they have – They try to play mind games. It kind of pissed me off. Like, in the pre-draft process, like, I've been knowing – I've been, like, real – I've been looking at it's like, these scouts try to make it seem like they have power over the players that they're scouting. I'm like, dude, these scouts have – first of all, at the end of the day, whatever the scouts say, that doesn't mean anything because the GM or the owner, those are the people making the – Yeah, right, right. Those, the those are the people making the draft to the final say. So it doesn't matter if the, whatever the scout says. But it's right. like these scouts try to make it seem like they're these tough guys when they're scouting these players. I'm like, bro, <laughs> you guys aren't like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I like. I mean, I'm cool with. I'm cool with scouts. But like, I'm like, I'm like these guys. You right. guys don't have that power. Of what it seems yeah, they, like they, they, they doing a little too much. Exactly. <laughs> and so I do my after pro day. I do. I do like my team visits where they fly me in and you know, uh-huh. talk to me with the coaches. And how many how many teams did you visit with? Like ten. Oh, okay. Yeah, I visit. I visit. Then I had like two or three more visits lined up, but they ended up like trading. They're like they didn't have like first. They didn't have a like a first. They had like a first pick, but it was like an early first round pick. Okay. They didn't have a second round pick, or they didn't have a first and second round pick. Okay. And my agent was like, "There's no point of even going because there was weeks where I would go. I'd go from a team to a team to a team. Mm-hmm. I'd go back to Iowa City, work out for a day." Go to another team. I'd have a private workout on like Saturday, uh-huh. have Sunday off, then I'd be back on the road Monday. Like I had like two weeks where it was like team, team, back in Iowa City for a day, workout, team, team. And it was okay. that was kind of that was kind of tough because I got tired. But I did rack up a lot of like United like air like airline miles. So <laughs> a lot of miles. You stay in the air, huh? It was it was tough. But like, so like, what was your mindset going into draft night? Like, because I'm sure. Uh, you know, best to best, you hope in first round. But right. like, what was your mindset? What was what were, what was your agent telling you? Like, you may 
if you don't go in the first, you're definitely going to second. If you go in the, you don't go in the second, you're definitely going to third. Like, what was the mindset going into draft night? So my agent did a really good job of he made the spreadsheet of the teams of picks like one through like 60. And he uh he asked like the scouts or the coaches that he knew from the teams what they thought about me. Then he wrote down if I visited with them, talked to them, worked out with them. Like if I had like if I had like communication with them. Yeah. And and I knew my range. He said my range was between 16 and 45. So okay, so opening draft night, I'm back in the morning. I throw like a uh, we're at like a country club, so I have like this party. Uh-huh. So like I'm joking around, I'm joking around, you know, for like the first couple of picks, right. and stuff. And then when, like once per, like once like pick like 15 happens, like I go upstairs and I like start sitting down. Yeah. And in the picks in the first round are like eight, they're like eight or nine minutes between like between right. each other. It's a long way, right? So for I think the draft and it ends at like midnight, like East Coast time. It ends around like midnight, which uh-huh. first of all, they they need the draft should not be four hours. Like that's a that's crazy. Right. But so I'm sitting, so I'm sitting there. I see pick. Okay, the picks are starting to go by. I see, I see. Okay, I see like some people go off that I know I'm better than, but I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Actually, I'm pissed. I'm not gonna say the team, but a team told me they were gonna draft me if they trade back. So they trade back. So <laughs> they trade. So you just knew he was going at that. And I knew spot. I was. I knew I was going. I'm like, dude. I'm <laughs> like, if 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 I if I don't go up to this team, I don't have. I have no idea. They trade back and they don't draft me. So I'm like, so then at like pick like I think like pick thirty. I'm not sure if you had picked there. I like pick thirty. I'm like, nah. I don't. I don't think I'm getting drafted tonight. Yeah. And then, and then I mean, pick thirty-two happens, which is was 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 Lamar Jackson, which probably was the best, one yeah, of the best. Yeah, picks. yeah, that, yeah, that was Lamar Jackson because he was thirty-two okay. and you were thirty-eight. Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. Okay. Okay. So, so, so what I'm, was that it, night like when you had to go to sleep? Like, could you even sleep because you didn't go in the first round tonight? Like, oh, <laughs> going the second round at least. Like, I mean, I I I slept, but. I actually I uh so I leave so I storm around the draft party, I'm crying. Then my agent my agent grabs me. Then my dad grabs me. They're just talking to me like, yeah. I mean, trying to calm you down. Like yeah, they're trying to calm me down. But at the end of the day, it's like they're the main thing they were telling me was like as a fir- as a first round pick, your contract is five years, but as a second round pick or throughout second round pick throughout whenever your contract is four years. So long story short, you can negotiate your contract earlier. Right, right, so that's, right. what, that's the main thing they're telling me is like. Right. So ultimately, like, just to be optimistic and. You can make more money. You might not make more money up front, like earlier, but later on for your second contract, you're a lot, you're, you'll be able to make more money earlier. Right, right. And so I'm like, okay. Then the second round, the second round hits. And there's three offensive linemen drafted in the second round before I go. Like pick, I think from pick 30, from thirty three to thirty nine. Yes, there's three offensive linemen that go before me. So uh, I'm like, <laughs> so this, okay. So first of all, like, oh my god, I'm like, actually, I, <laughs> I was I was saying to myself like, I'm not gonna get drafted, but I knew I was gonna get drafted. But I'm saying I was just saying like, bro, this is crazy. I, mean, then, I know you was going through it, probably. I was, I was, I was sick. And you can see, like, and the thing about the draft is, like, you can feel like the. It's actually crazy. Like, you can feel like the energy in the room. 
Yeah. Like, you could feel, like, once, like, once that third offensive lineman got picked in the second round, you could just feel, like, the energy in the room, like, <sighs> like, here we here you like, go. Really, like, really? Like, <laughs> and so, uh, I think it's the Colts. The Colts are picking. And then the, the draft picks. After the Colts, it was, like, Tampa Bay, Chicago, Denver. And I knew I visited – I didn't visit Tampa Bay, but I worked out – they came and worked me out. And then Denver and Chicago, I both met with them at the combine, and I both had, like, the visit. I flew out to Denver and Chicago. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like, I mean, I'm not sure if Tampa Bay will draft me, but I know, I know for a fact that Chicago or Denver is going to draft me. And so then, um, then while Tampa Bay's picking uh, – it's like four or five minutes. It was like right when, like on TV, where it's like Tampa Bay is uh-huh. like on the clock. I receive a call from like Lake Forest, like Illinois, and yeah. that's where the uh, Bears facility is at. So I look yeah. down. Yeah. down. Bears. So my my phone's in my pocket. So I look down. It's like eight four seven. That's like Lake Forest area code. I'm like, yeah. all right, bet. Like this, this, this is like this is it. This is it. And then like I call. I can't. I can't remember. I can't put. Remember if it was Coach Nagy or Ryan Pace who called me? I can't remember. I was just oh, – I picked it up. They're like, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. You just have it excited. I don't care. But, yeah, I mean, that, was, that was the story. That was the story of the draft. I mean, it was – Wow. It was – dude, it was it was crazy. Like, yeah, it, it sounded pretty intense. Like, a lot of ebbs and flows and mixed emotions, like ups and downs. Like, the stress of it. With the stress of like the, I mean the combine stuff like pro days like visits. I mean that's because I'm just, I mean I'm either working out because I'm athletic, so working out. I mean that's easy. Or right. like talking X's and O's like that's easy. Right. But, like the draft and waiting, I don't think like I don't think I would do it again. Right. Like if yeah, I have kids, yeah. it like, seems like it takes forever. Like if I have kids trying to get drafted, I'm like if they're if they're like when they're in the draft, like there's literally there's nothing I can say to them. Because I know, I know, like the stress of like right, waiting right. here, yeah, and, and the time people, moves real slow and all that, and seeing the people on TV that you know that you're going getting drafted before you, that you know that you're that better, you're better than, than, yeah, like that's that's probably the worst thing about. about I know, I know that's tough. Because of course, like I knew people, I knew people who were going to get drafted like before me, but seeing uh-huh. people I should have been drafted before, like I take not. Like, I play – like, now when I play, like, I take that as, like, an insult. Like, I'm showing these dudes. Like, I'm showing, like, the teams who did draft me. Like, this is, like, y'all should have drafted me. But right, at the end right. of the day, I mean, it's great. It's great I didn't get drafted because, I mean, Chicago's a great place. And right, right. Definitely. I've had – Historic organization, really. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I didn't realize that they have the most Hall of Famers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lesson in disguise. So who would yeah. you say? Because uh, I because I know you got some starts at center and starts at guard, and you're you're going into year three. Who who's who has been the toughest defensive tackle for you to block? It's like, Aaron Donald. I, Aaron. I was just I was just thinking that I was thinking Aaron Donald. Like, <laughs> so every every week I get like a cut up of like the defensive tackles I'm playing. Yeah. And it's like their pressures, hurries, like tackle for losses. Pretty much I'm seeing how they get home, see what they do. Right. So usually the clips are like, I don't know, if, if, it's like a, if it's like a regular player, it's like eight minutes. If it's a great player, it's like 15 minutes. Right. Your Donald's tape was like two hours. I'm like, <laughs> you know, so I'm, watching on, I'm watching on my iPad, 
probably early in the week, like Monday or Tuesday. I'm yeah. watching on the iPad going through the stuff. He had a lot of plays, man. It's I'm, It's just not – he's not just doing it against bad players. He's doing it against the best guards, best centers in the league. He, yeah. even, he even moves out to DN and starts in commercial at DN. Yeah. So, I'm looking at – I'm looking – this is my rookie. So, we played him – actually, we played him – damn, we're going to play him three years in a row. We play him this year, too. So, this is my rookie year. So I'm looking at I'm looking at this cut up. I'm like, bruh, like it's unreal. <laughs> he, he's really like whatever. Because like, oh, because your rookie year was when he had like 22 sacks, right? Exactly. Like Man. in the in the week before we played, the week before we played the Rams in 2018, they played Detroit. And the in like the fourth quarter, I think like three minutes left in, in the game, he gets like a strip sack. I then, remember that play, I think. I think. The game was – I want to say the game was tied or Detroit was winning by two or three. He gets, like, a strip sack at, like, the minus 30. Then the Rams get the ball and win. And so, when, when I'm blocking him in 2018, I'm, like, thinking to myself, I'm, like, bruh. Like, like when it got to the fourth quarter, because it was, like, a one-score game, I'm thinking to myself, like, bruh, like, this is <laughs> – like, this is the time. Like, right. and like, the Chief, like, the Chiefs and the Bears, we do the, we do the similar offense. Okay. And so, I was watching the Chiefs game, and that's when yeah. he had – Two strip sacks. He went crazy versus Chiefs. Crazy. <laughs> so that's the only thing that's ingrained in my mind. It's like, oh my, dude, yeah, yeah. this is like this is AD time. So if right. I'm not like if I'm not on it, like I'm I'm done. Like I'm a, like he's gonna change the game. Right. And so then we end up being the Rams. And I remember in 2018, like I didn't even celebrate after the game because I was like I was just so relieved. Like I didn't give up. Like I didn't give up a strip sack because oh, they're yeah. worth. How did, you, how did you grade out? How did you grade out versus them? I mean, eh, I mean, I, I had help, but eh, I I didn't give him anything up. So, okay. <laughs> so I mean, at the at the, I mean, but, he, that, that's tough. And he's not that tall of a guy. He only like six feet. Exactly. So he got that leverage, and he got that power. He got that speed and that explosion. It's, it's and he's tough. so good. He's yeah. so good at reading. Like the best pass rushers. I mean, you know this. Like the best pass rushers, you're so good at reading what you do. Uh-huh. So if you set for his speed, he's gonna power you. Oh yeah, gonna bull rush you. Yeah. If you set for his power, he's just gonna he's just gonna like just run around your edge. Right. So it's because you have to. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't care what any offensive line coach says. You have to set. You can't set. You can't set for both. It's not. I mean, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's possible. So yeah. it's you like can't, you can't you set mean? flat on him. You gotta you gotta set towards him a little bit, but obviously not overset him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's like it's like what do you what do you give? Because he's so good at seeing something, then you throw right. your hand. He's so right. good at like grabbing it to just right. And he right, and he and he does so many different things. He does, you know, he 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 does the arm slap down, and then like you said, he'll grab the wrist. He he'll grab your arm and then lift him, or he'll bull rush you, get you a third real fast and swim, or he will just. I've seen some sacks where he just. Literally, just take the dude to the quarterback. Just, just bro, take the guard to the quarterback and just bro, go out the way. Every like every pass rush move he has in his like I seen him do. I seen him get home on every pass rush move. Oh, every like, different exactly. It's counters. like it's like yeah, his counters. Okay, you shut down his first rush. Okay, he has a counter. Then he has like two or three counters after that. I'm like, dude, like, bro, how <laughs> how do you rush like that? So it's a good day when you don't give him a sack versus him. That's a good day. That's a good like, and y'all, and, and y'all get the W. That's a good day. Like yeah, great day. And like the D line is just gonna start. The D line is gonna start just getting better and better every every year. 
because you're gonna because I mean the NFL's moving towards a passing league. So oh, if you definitely. keep rushing the passer, you can't you can't your team has no chance. And D linemen, they're starting to run these DNs are starting to run like four fours at the combine, jump forty inches. Know that. Know that. So it's gonna be interesting. But the, yeah. I mean talking about D defense line in the NFL, I mean every team has every team has an elite defensive lineman. Yeah. So it really just depends. I mean, some teams have like two or three. Some teams just have one. But right. that's the thing. It's like there's there's no off. There's no yeah. off day in the NFL. Yeah, it's because. never off. Yeah, it's never off game. It's never. It's top of the line competition in the world. Exactly, because in like college, like in college, like you could be blocking some guy from Northwestern. Like I could be blocking some guy from Northwestern. I'm like chilling the entire game. Like yeah, I have yeah. no fear in my mind. Like I'm gonna get beat. Right. But I mean, you can't. It's no chilling. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Jaleel. Like, I remember Jaleel in college. Like, Jaleel was like a – Jaleel was a monster in college. Like, yeah, he was – Jaleel was a monster. Yeah. But then, yeah. like, Jaleel, the past, the past, he wasn't – I think he might have started, like, at the end of last year. I can't remember. But yeah, I, I know – He started, that, like, three or four games for the Vikings last year. Yeah, but Jaleel wasn't – like, Jaleel wasn't even a starter. And I saw Jaleel – I saw Jaleel during games. I saw him in practice. I'm like, bro, Jaleel monster. Right. And this dude not even starting. So, like, what does that what does that tell you about the competition in the league? Right. So, exactly. but, I mean, it's, it's, fun. it's fun, though. I mean, it's fun getting challenging and, like, knowing that you blocked, like, the best of the best or, like, blocking right. people. I know, I mean, I know that's a hell of a feeling. Yeah, it's like because you know that, like you know that, like your play is getting recognized. I mean, like you play, you play playing, you play football to win. But the second part of that, you play football to dominate. And exactly. knowing that, knowing that people recognize that you're dominating, knowing people exactly. you got a domination with your one-on-one competition. Exactly, people. Yeah. I think I do take a lot. I do take a lot of pride in that. So t- talk about like what, what's your biggest goal going into year three? Because um, obviously it's, it's not a contract year yet, but with your versatility, not a lot of guys who have starts at center and and guard, but are also productive. If they have if they have starts at center guard, at one of those they probably getting their ass kicked. <laughs> so just talk about <laughs> talk about um, you know what, how how you want to continue to develop and like what's your what's some individual goals you have going into year three, preparing for year four and stuff like that. Uh, just, just keep on getting better. Honestly, my biggest goal this year is to become, like, a better leader. Because I feel like the past two years, like, I've been, like, quiet. Because, like, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, you're a young guy. Like, yeah. I'm, like, younger. But this is going to be my third year starting. So, I'm nowhere – I'm not – even though I'm young, I'm not the young guy anymore. Exactly. So, I feel like exactly. I really need – and, you That's know, every team, every team benefits from having vocal leadership on the offensive line. Uh-huh. And so I feel like if I feel like if I can become, of course, I need to still get like, I need to still get stronger, work on my technique, things like that. But I feel like if I become a leader, I'll take my game and the Bears game to a next level. All right, leadership. Oh, man, that's, that, that's powerful. I, I, I know you can do it. <laughs> hey, bro, I appreciate it. Yeah. So just talk about some things um, that you like doing outside of football. Uh um, before you, I've interviewed mostly, um, you know, college coaches, NFL coaches, um, you know, and things of that nature. Guys have different, like, uh, you know, football positions with, like, USA football, things like that. But a lot of times that transition out of sports, when they're finally done playing football, basketball, whatever their main sport may be, that transition can be tough. 
Um, and you're not even in the prime of your career yet. I'm sure you will have like a 10 to 12, 15 year career. But just talk about some things that you like doing outside of football when you want to get your mind off of the game. So I know you're a gamer. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a gamer. So I try to. So during the year, I try to. Um, I try to not like bring like any of like my work like home with me. So I try to get, like all of my like studying and stuff done at the. So I'll stay like 30, 45 minutes more at the facility. Okay. And so like when I go home, I can just like you can wipe you can wipe that off and just be at home, be present at home. Exactly. Okay. And so. I mean, yes, I'm a big, so I, I game on PC. And so, I mean, like, like last year, like when I would go home, I would have like Norma text and I would just put my Norma text on, uh -huh. boot up my gaming PC. And I would just, <laughs> I would just game for <laughs> like, like two or like three hours. And yeah. then after that, just face on my girlfriend and uh -huh. I mean, go to sleep and just repeat again. But yeah. I feel like, I mean, gaming is like, I feel like gaming it's becoming is major. Like, it's becoming a major entity. It's like, yeah, it's like it really takes your mind off of stuff. Yeah. And okay. First, you're playing the game, and then like I play with my friends, so I'm getting a chance to like talk to my friends. Yeah. I mean, my friends, we're clowning, we're clowning, we're yeah, just, just like have those interactions. You're not thinking about football. It's not taking exactly. your mind. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like that's. I mean, I feel yeah, I game, but then I mean, I'm a I'm an anime watcher, so I watch like I watch like anime. Yeah. And I mean, that's really like the only that's really like the only TV I watch. But I mean, okay. just like. I mean, those two things. I mean, oh, yeah, during the offseason, like this offseason, I started getting my MBA, which is something that's not football related. But oh, wow. I, have, I have so much time. Actually, I, wa I got it because during my last semester at Iowa, so I've always been interested in business. But during my last semester at Iowa, well, my girlfriend's roommate was a big, like, Shark Tank person. Oh, wow, really? So I started watching Shark Tank from, like, season one, and I started, like, I started, like, watching like these pitches and stuff and it's like yeah, yeah then i started doing like research like on business it's like with like the business i mean pretty much everything everything is everything's a business everything and so, and so like i've been like i've learned like i learned about like the economy like how businesses run yeah, like, yeah. Man, how it's structured. Like and it's just it's so because i was a health and human physiology major in college so i just okay, learned about okay. body and good science so okay. i never learned about like business or things like that all right. So, I mean, I've just been, I mean, I just think business is just something that's like really interesting. Is that and what you're getting your MBA in? I'm uh, getting, yeah, my MBA, yeah, business. And I think it's like business, uh, it's like business management or. Okay, wow. It's it's something, it's something like that. I can't. That's powerful, man. So you already set yourself up for yeah, you know, yeah, life, life after football. But I mean, that's a, that's a long, I mean, it can't, it can't happen on any time, knock on wood, but right. I mean, that's. Yeah, right. yeah, like yeah, you want you want to play for 12, 10, 12 years. <laughs> then just yeah, then just like leave, then leave like when I like when I want to leave. Yeah, yeah, that's man, that's that is super dope to hear that you know you already working towards life after football, even though you know you know that's way you want that to be way down the line. Yeah, but you still have that in the back of your head that you know you want to further your education. That's dope, uh, and I'm sure you know younger listeners will I'm, I'm sure take something from that. I just hope like. That's it's just it's just tough because I feel like in school, like in like high school, I feel like high school has a big part to do with it. But in high school, in high school, I'm not sure about you, but at like Harding, we never learned about like stocks or like or like things yeah. like that. We, we like, didn't either. <laughs> like you can 
like you can like they have all these like investing apps like you can invest that like if you have twenty dollars left from like a paycheck in like high school you can instead of spending that twenty dollars on like chipotle you can spend that twenty dollars and like invest it like yeah, i agree I wish they, I wish in like high school they would tell us like more about like real life, exactly. about like real life things. I mean, just not right. stocks, but like how to do taxes, how yeah, taxes, how to like, how, how, to, how to establish uh, individual credit, how to establish business credit, how to establish a business just in general. <laughs> All yeah, those things they, they don't teach that in high school. They don't, and I feel like if I feel like. A lot more, I feel like a lot more students, yeah, like, yeah, you graduate from high school, but I feel like a lot more kids would be going to college if they learned about this stuff in high school and they're like, okay, that's interesting. I want to learn more about that. Or like, if you want, if you want to get, if you want to open your own business, maybe you don't go to college, but you, you look up, you look, you get a couple books and you look up on YouTube, exactly. like this is you. How to you start a business. Yeah. Yeah. How you start a business. And so that's. I just wish, I mean, a lot of stuff needs to be done with the education system, but I feel like one thing would be to bring like more, like to try to incorporate more realistic stuff into the curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, and, and I hope that I, I, I've talked to a few of my friends about that. Just like guys being in the know, being in the know at a younger age of how money works individually uh, you know, how business credit works. How do you even start a business? And how do you start a business credit line? How do you build right. that up? And then, like you said, the stocks and the trading is another. It's a lot of trading apps where if you got 10 to $20, you can, you can throw that in there and learn how to trade. Um, you know, exactly. you can make a lot of money doing that as well. So 2020 is so many different ways you can make money, but a lot of times guys are like behind eight ball because you don't, you're not talking to these things like in, High school and sometimes in college, depending on what your major is. Yeah, you honestly, you're not. Uh, do they even teach credit? I don't think they even teach credit. And that's, I, I, I sure that's like that's like the, a credit class should literally be a prerequisite. Like everyone should have to take a credit class. Like when you first go to we go to college, I feel I don't understand why why that's not in any of the you know at any of the universities as a part you're not, that they have to take. If you're on scholarship, you're taking out a forty thousand dollar loan per year at what four percent or something. Exactly. Like you're gonna have to pay. Like you don't. Yeah, you sign off on student loans, but what exactly are you signing off on? Man, it's crazy because I got I had friends that you know um, didn't go to school on scholarships, and literally, literally, literally two weeks after you graduate, they are sending you an invoice in the mail for you to make start making payments and student loans. <laughs> they, they don't even give you a chance to find a job. They don't care. They want their money back. And so but then the money, that, yeah, the money comes for your from your paycheck. The money comes just straight out the paycheck. Like you don't even see it. It's just yeah. <laughs> minus two hundred dollars yeah. student loans or whatever. But exactly. that's, it's a crazy, crazy it's a crazy thing. Um so talk about okay, June fifth, about twenty twenty. <laughs> June fifth, twenty twenty. Now, uh, you know, you 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 tweeted a couple comments. You know, just your truth, whatever, whatever you felt. And uh, now, I'm sure that <laughs> you tweeted it. You didn't think it, that it would go viral or end up doing what it did. But you know, fifty plus guys, uh, you know, black athletes, former athletes at our, at our alma mater, came out giving individual stories. Um, as of late, you're, you're a running back who you blocked for um, 
uh, Akram Wadley has coming out with like details. Um, I think this week of right, right, you know, him basically his his whole career basically being a living nightmare and things like that. So I remember tweeting that you know I was always super reluctant to ever talk about some of the bad experiences I had just because you know ultimately I never wanted to be looked at as like a problem guy or like or I didn't make it to NFL so I'm mad at the program. Or at the end, also, you know, once I start a family and things like that, I want to be able to bring my kids, my wife, back to Kinnick and say, hey, daddy played here. and I contributed on these teams and this and that. And sometimes when you tell your truth, uh, you know, there's some backlash that comes with it. Or right. they'll try to, like, not allow you to be with the team or just things like that. So I was always kind of afraid of that. That's why I never really spoke on it. And a lot of guys never spoke on it. So you were kind of like that first guy to – um, say what you said, and then all these other guys felt like, okay, it was okay. So just give me, like, a short depiction of, like, how that's been, like, for this month of June, the last, what, 25 days. Yeah, I mean, first, the race relations, ever since, like, the rioting started in Minneapolis because yeah. of George Floyd, like, yeah. it's just been, I mean, it's been crazy. Actually, it's been, it's, it's actually been kind of nice to see how many people are supporting, like, the Black Lives Matter movement. Right. I mean, I'm not sure if people are just or they're just tweeting out saying they support it right. or if they're actually about the action. But either or, it is nice to see people. People are actually recognizing it. Right. So I remember two years ago, because there's a police uh, unarmed. I always see something on Twitter because I follow Sean King on Twitter. Uh, so once a month, I always see something Sean King tweets out, unarmed black person shot and killed or unarmed black person shot. Like I see that, I see that every no kidding. I see that once a month, at least once a month. Mm-hmm. And so it's just nice that I mean I've been following for like two or three years. It's been nice to see that finally people are starting to realize that this has been like we've had like there's been racial issues in the United States for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean talking about Iowa football. I mean I don't know. I just I just felt like I just felt like it was something that needed to be addressed because mm-hmm. the numbers, the numbers and statistics are there. Like the graduation rate. Iowa should not have the 60th or 65th for graduation for black male graduation athletes in in the, in the Power Five. Right. It's just not like it's just not Iowa. Because yeah, it's just not University of Iowa. Because Iowa State, I believe Iowa State's like 56 out of 65, or Iowa State's right there next to Iowa. So it's just not something. There's something about the culture of Iowa that is causing these people, causing the black athletes not to graduate. But talking about football, I mean, I just felt like, I just felt like it was something that needed to be said. Like you said, you had, you've had issues, but that you, that you were scared to talk about. Not scared to talk about, but you had your reasons for not wanting to talk about. Right. And I just felt like, like personally, like for me, like as a person, like I love Iowa. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope, I really want, all I want to do is see Iowa win. But I feel like for Iowa to win, for Iowa to be the best Iowa needs to be, the black players there need to be 100% comfortable. Exactly. In, because the black, because at the end of the day, I mean, the black players, I mean, even though they make up a less, a less percentage of the roster compared to like Ohio State or somewhere, right. actually, I'm, I don't, I don't know, I'm pretty sure, but I mean, you have to check the stats on that, but, yeah. but as I, but anyway, like. The black players at Iowa, they play, they, they're critical in they're critical in the success of Iowa football. In mm-hmm. anything I can do to help the black players feel comfortable, I mean, right. that's that's the reason why I did it. Because I know the time while I was there, I know there were some black players that 
should have made it to the NFL. Definitely not just made it to the NFL legit draft pick. That did not make it because, because I mean, they didn't click with the Iowa culture. And I just don't. It's just so it's just so sad that like my boys, like the life I'm living, they should have that life. But exactly. because they click with the Iowa culture, they didn't get the chance. They don't get the right. chance to do it. And that's and, and that's why I think so many guys came out after you said what you said, because no matter what, no matter how you try to explain it, like this is our livelihood. <laughs> Yeah. Like football is our livelihood. We coming from wherever we're coming, whether it's Warren, whether it's Cleveland, whether it's Detroit, whether it's Florida, whether it's St. Louis. But this is our livelihood. We are playing because we love to play. And we, if we have a, an opportunity or a chance to change our family's lives, that's what we want to do. So when right. you go to a place like Iowa and you see that the Iowa way is like something different than what you're used to, Usually, you have to conform. You have to act a certain way. You have to act differently than, like, um, um, I think his name, uh, Amani Hooker said, you have to act like someone that you aren't. Like, you can't be yourself. You have to act like this to even have a chance to maybe get some playing time. Exactly. To even just have a chance. You still may not get playing time, even if you conform, but to just give yourself an opportunity, (laughs) you have to act this way. So you have to worry about first calls, classes are hard. Second, okay, if you're from Florida, I'm not sure how far, I'm not sure how many miles, but you're from Florida in Iowa. I mean, it's winter, you're cold, you're some, you're in an environment you've never, never seen been in, right. in around. And then you have class, you have football, which is tough, but right. then you have stuff on top of football where you have to, or yeah, you have to conform to being someone you're not. And it just, it just puts like a lot of pressure on you. I remember when I got to the Bears, when I got to the Bears, there's this, there's this like big, like there's this big pain, like right when you walk in the facility, mm-hmm. and it was like BU, and like Coach Nagy, he just wants every player, every of course, like there's a culture. There's every team has to have a culture. Don't get me wrong. Right. Don't get me wrong about that. But right. like the culture that like we have is just like BU, like let your personality show, so, but like, like be respectful. Don't you know? Don't be an asshole. Of course, yeah. Your BU, who you are. Yeah, like let your like be like let your personality show, and that's the thing. Like, at like Iowa, I just felt like we just weren't like black players just weren't in the position to be able to let their personality show. Yeah. But hopefully, I know I've been talking. I've been talking to people inside the program. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to players inside the program. And how how the players inside the program? How have they said things have shifted or changed from the coaching staff, from all the strength and the conditioning staff since I over the last 25 days? They feel like they have. They feel like they have a voice now. It's like the suit. Okay. Like the players feel like they're actually being like when the coach. Like when they told the problems to the coaches, they feel like they're actually being heard. Wow, that's like, that, that's powerful. That's powerful. And that's big. And like that's like that. I mean, like hearing that, like that kind of put like tears in my eyes because exactly. it's like that validates why you said what you said. <laughs> exactly. It's like I know. Like I know. Like I made an impact. I think Matt Hankins. Matt Hankins said something about. I mean, ever since. Like, ever since, like, Coach Doyle's left, he's felt – I think he said, like, himself and a lot of players feel like a weight lift over their shoulders. He both on Twitter. I don't know the exact quote, but okay, yeah. Matt Hankins, he's a, he's a cornerback, but okay. he's a cornerback out right now. But it's like – it's like these players actually feel like they feel like – they feel good and they feel like they can be themselves now. Yeah. So, I mean, hope like, hopefully this – that will help them. Hopefully, hopefully that helps them win some more games this fall. Exactly, but. exactly. That's the, and, and ultimately, that's what we all hope. And as, as alumni, we, as we are, we're alumni, we want to see our alma mater do well. 
Every yeah, that's what we know. That's all we care we about. Players, we know we have the talent, but a lot of times if you're in an uncomfortable environment, like you can't perform how you maybe could perform if you were more comfortable. And so that's why it's vital for guys to be comfortable, especially in a predominantly white state. I think the state of Iowa is like 3% black, right? So like, yeah. <laughs> so comfortability is like a major thing. And I'm uh, and I'm big on just giving flowers, giving flowers to guys, you know, while you're here. So I just want to salute you, bro. Like, you, <laughs> you, you, <laughs> like I'm proud, like, especially, uh, you know, you coming uh, from Warrens, being an Ohio guy, just going there, right. doing your thing, three and out you know, second rounder, like doing your thing in the league, but also paying attention to the disparities that's happening at our alma mater and being unapologetic about, you know, saying, telling your opinion, but also at the same time being respectful. And yeah. Like going at it in the right ways. Because what I saw, I, what I noticed is, um, you know, like some of like the white fans and stuff, stuff like that at our alma mater, they kept asking like, oh, if you felt like that, why didn't you just go to Kirk Perry and say something? But you... And you had the perfect answer. Like, well, yeah, I did go to him when I was there. I think it's like back in 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, had, you met with Gary Barta. And you, told, you told him about these different issues and things that you saw and nothing nothing was ever done. Right. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I can't say nothing was done, but not en- not enough was done. So at the end of the day, I mean, I mean, yes, like they, everyone recognized, everyone has recognized these problems. Uh-huh. I mean, media coaches, athletic department, everyone has recognized these problems, but nothing has been, nothing has really been right. done. It's like they hear you, then they kind of just throw it under the rug. Like, may, they may do something like, okay, we'll change this, we'll change that. But then you never hear about it again, basically. Exactly. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm just, dude, just hearing, hearing from, hearing from the players now and how they feel. That's, that's super Clearly cool. had differently, I mean, of course, COVID, they couldn't work out and stuff, but before COVID, like, Feeling, hearing like the differences they have now than compared to like before COVID, like it's crazy. And also, I can't say I can't say I have a part of it, but it's I've been seeing something probably like a couple times a week about black athletes at other universities speaking out. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's that. just it's just nice that seeing like you know I think it was Oklahoma State, Clemson. Yeah, I saw I know yeah, Oklahoma State. Had a few guys speak out. Yeah, it's like so it's nice seeing that like. Yeah, seeing that like players are starting to realize that. Yeah, and you were like a pillar. You were a pillar in that when guys saw that you were unapologetically willing to step up and tell your truth. You know, it made them, I'm sure, feel like they could tear theirs without ex- expecting any kind of backlash. Or you know, it's backlash and everything. But just willing to tell their truth instead of being quiet and not saying anything. Yeah, because player, because because in because like in NFL, like here's there's an NFL in college, like in NFL. Like the, the the players, yes, the coaches run, but the players run, the players pretty much run it. Like if you have a guy making thirty five million, he can go to the coach and literally tell the coach, like, nah, we're not doing this, we're not doing that. Yeah, of course. But in college, in college, the only person you, you have, have, have the <laughs> Yeah, you, I mean, of course you have the all Big Ten, the all American player, but right. that's nothing compared that's nothing compared to like a like compared to the coaches. So Hopefully, I just realize that like players know that players players have a voice, right. and players have always had a voice. Like if players come together, like individually, it's tough. But when players come collectively, come together, as them, yeah, you they have a stronger voice. You do it together. Definitely, man. So uh, my last question: I call this podcast the After Effect Podcast. 
you know, as athletes, we've been athletes our, our whole life. We have ups and ups and downs, ebbs and flows. We experience uh, pain, joy, happiness. So what would you say, and I know you're still young in your professional career, but thus far, coming from Pop Warner to middle school and high school and college and the two years you've been in the league, what would you say the after effect of your athletic career journey has been thus far? Like what's, uh, what's some things that you have learned you know, during your athletic journey that you would like carry with you for the rest of your career? And then, I, and then obviously when you retire as well. I mean, just, I mean, just, I mean, hard work. Yeah. I mean, of course, I mean, of course, like a lot of my, a lot of my ability is God given. Like my dad and mom were both great athletes. Like, yeah. and I'm, I mean, I get my size from them. Like I'm not like my mom's like five, yeah. nine, five, ten. Like, all, she's all like genetics. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, and, and I mean, that's in life. Like some people are going to be put in better positions than you are, yeah. but it's the hard, it's the hard work part about it. I realized that like the NFL is like, like there are people, there are people who do not work out, who do not lift at all. But yeah. I mean, they just, they just so nice that they just, they just good football players. Yeah, they just, like, they I just got it. Like, <laughs> I gotta like, I, I have it hard, and I know that like, when I'm done football, like I'm going to open a business, like I'm gonna have to do the extra things to make my business successful. All right. Like you we'll read like that extra mile. Like you read like stuff on like Be- Jeff Bezos or like. Uh-huh. What's the guy's name that opened the app? Steve, yeah, Steve Jobs. Like, like you read like you read like articles on them uh-huh. and like and like listen to like how they're wired and like how they approach things like in the business exactly. world. Exactly. exactly. So it's just, it's just, I mean, every athlete, every athlete knows like at the end of the day, like you have to work hard. And the only person, damn, I sound like I sound like a, like a coach, like. <laughs> the only person who knows, the only person who knows if you work in your hardest is yourself. Yeah, that's right. It's and, the truth, but right. It's cliche, but it's so true because a lot of people lie to themselves and like try to make it seem like in their head, like, oh no, I did work hard, I did do that. But you, you know, if you've been bullshitting, you know, if you're not giving a hundred, a thousand percent effort. <laughs> yeah, and you just need to get comfortable, like. I like the saying, like, you need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. I right. think that's the, I don't like that statement because if you comfortable being uncomfortable, you're not uncomfortable enough. So, like, okay. to really get, if you really, like, get, if you really push it, because no one likes pushing themselves. Yeah, you might like pushing yourself 90%, 95%, right. but pushing yourself 100% where you're actually emptying the tank, yeah, that, that's not that's not fun. I mean, the after a match, like winning the game, like that's fun. But right. while you're doing it, you're like, nah, this is not yeah. like this and, is this isn't. And I kind of see what you're saying because obviously you're 22 right now, but once you get to like 29, 30, you you gotta try to manage how you how you um, exhaust your body. You don't you can't you don't you can't exhaust your body seven days a week. Right, right. <laughs> you gotta be able to manage and still give full effort, but be able to keep some in the tank to be able to continue to, you know, stay healthy and, you know, get the right amount of sleep and just be able to perform. Right. Oh, one thing, oh, one thing too, for athletes and anybody, mm-hmm. I'll just say like, in, like, enjoy, like, enjoy your time. Right. Like, Cause you never know, like, like as an athlete, over. you never know when it's going to be over or like a loved one. You never know like when a loved one's going to pass away. So Bro, it's just. That's, that is, that, that really hit home for me because I remember my senior year, we played Oklahoma in the inside bowl. Uh, and when I, when I strapped it up, you know, I started that game. When I strapped it up, 
the last thing I was thinking in my head was this is going to be the last time I play football outside. Because <laughs> I played, I played two years of arena football uh, professionally, but that's you know that's inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. December 30th, 2011 was the last time I actually strapped it up. But in that moment, I'm just thinking about balling out so I can try to get to the league in a couple months. Right. I'm thinking that, like, oh, wow, like, this is this might be my last time playing. Like, so that's powerful what you say, like, like really enjoy all the moments because, like you say, you never know when it's going to be a loss. Every time, every time, like, we play, like, an NFL game, like, because the offense line, we stay out in the field, like, during the – during, like, timeouts and stuff, and they bring wow. our outs with but I always think to myself, like I look around the stadium, I'm like, every like, this is like, <laughs> like 30 years from now, like 30 years from now, like when I have kids, like I'm gonna be telling like crazy stories about yeah, like yeah. the combos we had, like we were out on the field or just <laughs> right. like, like just that's, enjoy. That's it. dope. That's dope, bro. That you can be present like that. Like in those moments, you can be present. Yeah, and the best part now is that like every game, every football game, college and NFL is on YouTube. So like I could literally go back. Hopefully YouTube's a thing thirty years from now. Hopefully I can go back and like just like look at like tell my kid like like this like that's me out there. Oh, you would be doing that because I do that now. I go back and watch (laughs) my old games from two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah, you you would do it. Just give yourself a couple years. You you would want to see him again. Yeah. So I mean, it's but yeah, just those two things. I mean, those two things. Just enjoy it and work hard. I mean, that's that's all I have. Enjoy it and work hard, man. That's those are great answers, bro. That's all I had, man. All right. Really, really appreciate you taking out the time. I know you got a lot of Zoom meetings for OTAs and you guys trying to figure out how you're going to get back in the building for training camp. So I, I just appreciate you taking out the time to uh, jump on the pod for me, man. No, I appreciate you too because you was one of the uh, you was the people, one of the original people in that original Zoom call. Yeah. So I mean you did I mean you can cut this out, of course, but you you know they don't they don't know because I I because I made sure like when I talked. Cause I did another podcast. I made sure, like, when I told people, uh-huh. like, I didn't tell anybody who was in that Zoom call. Actually, yeah. I didn't even tell Coach Ferris about anybody who was in that original, in that original Zoom, original call. Zoom call, right? <laughs> so, but nah, you was one of the people. You was one of the people who, like, cause I was hearing like y'all stories. I'm like, bruh, y'all stories is exactly the same stories that the people I know. So, like, some, yeah. bruh, something had to, something had to be said. Yeah, yeah, man. I and like I told you, bro, I just appreciate it because. You kind of, you definitely put a battery in my back and tell my truth. And to be honest, I, like me, me and Mike Daniels, you know, we were really good friends in college. And to be honest, we didn't really have any crazy problems with Coach Dave. He never, he never came at us crazy. He never said anything out of line to us. But that's, that's our, the thing. Yeah. our individual experience. But I have seen him disrespect other players. I have seen him say racial things to other players. I have seen him ruin guys' experiences there. So when all these people were coming out with these stories, it's like a lot of guys, they 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 don't look at it too twofold because they only they only look at it from their experience, like, oh well, I had a good relationship with Doyle. Yeah, but you didn't see him disrespect this dude all these times. You saw it, you just you let you let your experience take over when you really know what you saw. That's the problem. Like that's why I mean everything, I mean any like like in like in life, like any disparity happens when the people who aren't being oppressed do not see the oppressing because exactly. it's like they can't, I mean, they can't see anything about Like, it's like, if they don't see what's happening, what can they do about it? Right. Right. And uh, it's funny, man, because um, I was talking to Mike about this last week, but like, we just know that 
some of the more all-American players, like your Adrian Claiborne, your Carl Coos, people that uh, that ended up being really good players out of Iowa, um, we know that they're never going to speak out about some of their experiences because they ended up having like A1 careers. And to me, it's unfortunate because I literally saw these guys, I see, saw these guys get like ultimately disrespected. I mean, I mean, to the point where you wouldn't even believe like these certain instances, but a lot of times guys reach success or they reach, you know, they touch a, they touch a certain amount of money and, you know, they, they don't got nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, not, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not their problem. Like, exactly, exactly. And, and, you know, I can respect that, but I just think it's unfortunate. It would be cool for guys to still tell the truth, even though they, you know, test or, you know, 10-year pro whatever, or, you know, test this amount of money and, you know, got all these different accomplishments. But I still think, you know, like I said, you were the pillar in it, and a, a lot of guys, I'm sure, were able to heal from at least telling their stories, whether anything happened or not. But right. healing from it and getting past it, like, you know what I'm saying? You And you were someone that started that. So that's just, again, I salute you. <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, bro, I appreciate you coming on, like I said, man. And hopefully we can try to stay in touch. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how, like, the advisory group goes and, you know, um, what they what things, what they'll try to implement to. You know like, who got asked to be on it? I, I know, I know Mike Daniels is leading it, but he called me last week and told me that he's kind of reconsidering it. Like he don't really know if he wanted to be in that kind of position because he said he would rather all of us try to form something like on our own, on our own, because he said that he feels like, yeah. Um, he, 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 like, he may be trying to make him kind of like the escape though. Like, so if something else happens again, they can be like, well, we got Mike Daniels on the, on the head of the advisory group. So we put these things in place, but so this shouldn't be happening. So he was kind of come, talking about maybe trying to form something like us forming something like on our own, like out from, from the outside and like bringing it to them. Okay. So, so he's still kind of up in the air, but that's, but that's all I know. And I know the independent investigation is going on right now, but I think those people are, I don't know who chose those people who gave the emails and the numbers because I, yeah, I actually so, so they, uh, so they called me. Okay. They called me. Actually, they, they called me like one of the first days. It okay. seemed like they had like they had like a decent they had a decent amount of information. But then they asked me like who should who should we reach out to? Oh. So they, every person they interview, they asked who should they who should they reach out to? Right, right, okay. I mean, in the lawyers getting paid like six hundred dollars an hour, so they making sure this this investigation take as long as oh, possible. Oh, you know that. <laughs> so they gonna try to talk to everybody. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, yeah, we'll, so yeah, we'll definitely stay in touch and just to kind of see what happens. Uh, um, I'm interviewing Mike tomorrow, so I know, I know I'll get a lot more information uh, from him about just how he's feeling about it. I know he's still up in the air as far as the advisory group, but yeah, we'll definitely stay in touch, man. I just want to wish you great luck on this season. Keep, keep, keep getting to it, man. Keep, keep blocking the best D tackles in the league. <laughs> keep, putting, keep putting on for Ohio and your family and everything and, you know, uh, I know we never like met in live in person, but I've been watching you for years. Super proud, super uh, blessed that you know we share the same alma mater, man. And again, I just appreciate you jumping on the podcast with me. No problem. Just appreciate you for having me on. And, and when this, when you release this, tweet this out at me or like at me or like whatever, so I can like retweet yeah. you, post blog. Of, of course, yeah. I got an editor uh, in Japan who will be at, like doing a visual edit, so I can have the audio on all the podcast platforms, and then. 
I'll have the visual on like on YouTube just so people because some you know some people like audio some people like visual I like visual podcasts so I like watching seeing the interactions seeing the smiles laughs all that stuff yeah, so yeah man I'll definitely add you I, I appreciate you and I'll and I'll be watching if I'm if y'all playing wherever I'm at I'll be hitting you up seeing if I can get it grab a ticket <laughs> all right I got you bro all right man y'all y'all stay safe Albert, take it easy. all right bro take easy all right